Well, it hasn't happened yet. I'm Brian. I'm Terry. I'm Isaac. This is Until We Get Canceled. Hello, everybody. Shout out Crate Media. We're joined today by Brandon Javon Gibson. Brandon, how are you living? I'm doing wonderful, guys. How are you all? Great. Great to have you on, man. You good, Carrie? Sorry, my mom called and she <laughs> she she, no, she hurt her uh, she hurt her leg. Uh, oh, no. She she sprained her ankle, and so I thought she might like actually need something from oh. me. <laughs> Professional <laughs> podcast from uh, Media. Great. <laughs> I leave that in. Leave that in. Yes, yeah, for real. My wife will definitely call us because I just texted her to tell her that I was doing this, so she will call me in the next hour. I can guarantee it. Well, um, we wanted to have you on today because somehow and possibly we are entering what the the ninth month, close to entering the ninth month of the lockdown. And you have been taking the lockdown like probably more seriously than almost anyone that I know. And I absolutely salute you for that. But for folks who don't know you, you are also one of the most extroverted people that I know. Like pre-lockdown, Mr. Knoxville, out there living your life. You know everyone in the city. You know, you're a food critic. You love to perform live music. Like, how have you like first off, just take us through the last eight months for you? Like, how what's changed for you? How have you handled it? Like how you been holding up, but also like how like what made you make that decision to just straight lockdown so tight? Well, initially, I was one of the perhaps naive people who thought, hey, guys, if we can just do this for like two weeks, two or three weeks, it'll be past them. You know, reading what I did about the, pan- the, the virus itself, I thought, okay, you know, two-week incubation period, we can just, nobody has it for two weeks, give us a full month just to round it out, we'll be fine, we'll be past it, USA. And well, here we are <laughs> in month nine. I think the day five billion and whatever. <laughs> I think the USA part is the part that got us here. <laughs> exactly. Um, it very quickly began to remind me of every group project that I've ever been a part of <laughs> in life, where, you know, I, I began to realize probably in that period how, because I said, okay, I can stay home for two weeks. Two weeks is not that big of a deal. I was coming off of a major performance and time commitment. So I said, yeah, I'll take it, rest up. But during that two weeks, as more and more people began saying, oh, yeah, I went here. And I'm, yeah, I just went out for a minute. And oh, yeah. I was like, oh, well. So no one else literally in the world is staying home for two weeks. And um, I got the graphic that every time someone broke two-week quarantine, it reset everybody's counter at zero. And at that point, I realized, oh, wow, it's going to be a while. And so I'm just going to have to take a hard look and say, you know, okay, you are a high-risk individual. Is your life potentially worth a beer? Or seeing that one band that one time, or eating at that one restaurant that one time, or seeing that person in person that you can see in video? And I said, no. You know, uh, and it's just realizing the unpredictability of the whole virus itself. You know, I'm I'm healthy as an ox. I haven't had the regular flu in like 10 years, but you don't know with this until you get it, how you're going to fare. And so I said, you know what? Best to limit your exposure, do what you can, and just wait it out, hunker down. Um, no, like I said, there's very few experiences that compare to life itself. So... 
in the interest of preserving my continued existence, I said, shut it down. And so work and home for move the abacus days days on, but here we are. And uh, going strong, um, it has been definitely an adjustment because, well, you know me, and to those who don't, I um, I perform various things, just stuff. We can go into that later if you want, but just stuff. I'm all over the place. But um, in not being all over the place, it is forced reflection and just, I don't know, deep thought and I decorated my apartment. I've been here for five plus years, been in boxes because, you know, team bachelor life over here. But around month five, I was like, I don't know, maybe some pictures or something on the wall. <laughs> and around month eight, I was like, I don't know, maybe in some new furniture that's not hand me down. And so <laughs> Wait, so you're saying it took you five months to, <laughs> after of staring at a blank wall <laughs> before you were like, maybe yeah. I should throw something up there? <laughs> yeah. To be, to be blunt, you know, I'm from a military family, that's my dad was in Happy Veterans Day. My dad was in the Navy, and so we moved a bunch. And so I pack light. I don't have a lot of material possessions anyway. And I've always been in that, oh, you're going to move soon anyway, so... Yeah, I have any pictures of anything, <laughs> people of anything, you know. And on top of that, because I wasn't home often, um, I probably do four productions a year on average. And that's just productions, not on top of, you know, social stuff. I narrate, I sing with the occasional rock band, funk band, I MC, I host, I write for stuff, food critic, like he, you know, stuff. So I'm always doing something. So I'm not home. I'm always just kind of a crash pad. And on top of that, I've worked a nine to five for the whole time on top of everything else. So I'm going for 16 to 20 hours a day. So uh, you don't get used to it. But like I said, even that first five months, it was still like, eh, I'm here. It's whatever. But around that line, I was like, I don't know, maybe I don't know, a picture, a frame. I had to figure out what a frame was like, oh, what is this stuff? You know, I grew up watching HGTV with my mom, and I was like, well, I remember feng shui, maybe. Move the stuff and decorate. And what was it, probably two weeks ago, I got to a finished product of furniture, pictures, um, books that weren't in the box that I had them in when I got the, when I moved them here, you know, stuff just because it was a, a settling and a realization like, well, okay, you're here. <laughs> Do you know? I even see a plant over your I shoulder know. there. Right, I was going to say there's a plant. <laughs> you know, nine. this is new. Wait, what shoulder? That's new. I know. That's interesting. I think I'm a real homebody. Uh, so I come at it almost from the opposite perspective of like, I move into a place, I get it all, all nice, exactly how I like it. Cause I want to spend all my time here. Whoa. I'm also a huge introvert and my brain broke at the beginning of quarantine. So I'm interested in how you as an extrovert have handled it. Yeah. Oh man. Um, I talk to myself Always talk to myself, you know, full conversations in life. But um, I don't know, man. It's 
it's weird. So the experience of being an extrovert, I describe it like this. It's the equivalent. You're like an, um, an old filament light bulb. So you're, you're tungsten, right? And in the presence of others, you illuminate. It's like an energy that just hits you. And it's like, you're on. And, uh, in the absence of that, you're like, huh, okay. <laughs> and um, I describe it, I'm, I don't put anything into like astrology or any of that, but uh, I'll say this, I am a Gemini and the whole thing is that there are two of them, right? And so there are very much two Brandons. There is extrovert in the presence of other people, Brandon, who's on. And it's like, uh, I don't know, it's very quick and it's very, it's the equivalent of being on some sort of stimulant. It's like caffeine. It's weird to describe. Uh, I'll, I'll describe around it and say that I, don't know, I didn't even drink until I turned 21 because I didn't need to drink because just being around a large amount of people was like <laughs> the same with caffeine, like hour 19 of the day as long as there's people around and a good conversation well, yeah, i'm good you know into hour 20 or whatever you know it's it's the equivalent of being on a stimulant and then there is apart from that brandon still awake and alive obviously but you get a different type of me different version of me it's more you get deep thinking brandon and um i don't know quieter more reserved intelligent branded versus you know social branded and so if you're friends with me on facebook or something you'll see there's fantastical story of whatever scrooge mcduck any given day five pages on scrooge mcduck you get that branded x-ray branded and then you also get five page think piece about any social issue branded and that is the equivalent of not around people branded. <laughs> and so they exist simultaneously within me the only difference being people or no people and um so to the original question in the absence of non-stop social interaction there's been a lot more deep thinking brandon but then also it is very evident when i am around people because it's like oh my god talking to somebody hey what's up what's you doing what's going on <laughs> don't go no it's cool so yeah it's cool we can leave it going and it's <laughs> and it's weird. It's um the only the only thing I can use to describe it is uh, I guess if you don't drink for years or something and then you take a sip and then you're instantly drunk, it's that sensation, but with people. And it's odd, but is kind of the new normal. It was weird. I recently quit my job to stay home and pursue other things uh, permanently. Also, and kind of to wait out the you know, pandemic felt like a good time to, if you're going to redirect, do it when you can't do anything else, right? But um, it was weird going to my very buttoned up, you know, nine to five office job as my only human interaction for several months because I know it's one thing being buttoned up for eight hours when you can the real life, the other, you know, X amount of hours. 
But when you can't be realized the X amount of other hours and all you have is your buttoned up human interactions, it becomes very strange, very strange dynamic. It's like, huh. My office is also super (laughs) formal. And today I explained uh, gritty to them. (laughs) So that's where I'm at. Just like I'm terminally online and none of them are. And they they're confused. <laughs> That's amazing. And, you know, it's weird. I can't even say that my my nine to five was not even that terribly formal. It's just they they were not on my level of <laughs> you know, Isaac's laughing because you know because you know, I'm a very particular force of personality and they were nowhere close to that. And so I tried to you know, be a good person and match my surroundings. You know, I worked at a bank and so I was like, yeah. They don't need wild and crazy, Brandon. Just count the money. Just be, you know, turn it down to six. Be cool, you know? Well, and this is interesting to me because I'm hyper extroverted. I drive everybody in my family nuts. I like, they always give me a hard time that I have, quote unquote, all these friends at different Uh, gas stations and grocery stores because I just like to talk to people. But the one thing from the um, pandemic that's been super interesting to me is I haven't. The old, well, I'll transition us here in a second, but I have not felt, I've been pretty f- happy just kind of sticking at home. Like my life before was driving around, taking kids places, going to different events, all this different stuff, kind of what you were explaining. And I didn't realize how freaking tired I was basically. Uh, and so, you know, after about three months, I was like, all right, this is now, now I'm starting to feel the need to get a little bit, um, a little bit more of interaction, but I, I've enjoyed just kind of like not going anywhere uh, for, for the health reasons, for, you know, for stuff like that. The one place though, that it, that I have noticed a drop off is in anything doing with like spirituality. So like my like connection with other people, like going to church and stuff like that, that's where I saw the drop off where all of a sudden it's like, well, I could, you know, do the book of prayer, but I guess I could just watch Netflix too. And so not having that kind of engagement with other people, that's where I've seen the drop off. So uh, that's something I guess that we were going to talk about a little bit was, you know, how this has sustained people, you know, spiritually, or if you've been able to sustain it spiritually, because it's it's tough being alone unless you're one of those ascetic monk types, but I'm not. I talk to Jesus a lot more now, you, you know, go. just because I'm here and you know, as I'm talking to myself, you He's might around. as well talk to him, you know, while you're at it. Um, but it's been good for that in that regard, because as a vocalist, you get asked to, you know, perform feels the, it feels weird to describe. Do you know what I mean? I always need somebody to sing at the service. And so when you sing as a job, you're kind of performing. And it's just when you're a part of the service like that, you guys will understand that it's, it's a difficult line to walk between worshiping and taking part in the service when you were like on the program working for the service. And so in the absence of that, it's just been, Oh, Hey, you and Jesus, you and your, you and your experience, you don't have to worry about leading the hymn, um, singing the solo for the offertory, you know, Singing the whatever, making sure, you know, and also doing it at different places because, you know, I'd get asked to do it at various different churches. And so it's like, okay, how do they do it here? When do they do it here? You know, do they sit? Do they stand? Do they climb along? Do it? Whatever. And so all of that stuff takes you out of, you know, your church experience because you're working, you know, and you're working in an unfamiliar environment oftentimes. And so you're not really, you know, you listen to the sermon, but you're also like, okay, at what point is he gonna like give me the 
bank or something, that means I'm supposed to stand up and walk over here and start singing. Yeah. You know, so you you're hitting on something that I now I've immediately convicted and changed my my mind on this because the one thing that I have enjoyed about the pandemic, perhaps more than anything, uh, and if you're my boss, Joy, and you happen to be listening to this, turn it off now, is that like I love worshiping kind of from my couch and be like, I'm about to turn this video off. <laughs> turn the video off, put the put the computer on a on a TV tray and get under my blanket. Uh, it's like, all right, I might I might even have to have myself some cereal. While the while the while the words being preached, this is going to be this is a good day. So I, I have enjoyed that part too. Uh, but you know, I, I think essentially, when it's over, I'm going to. There's going to be a weird dynamic for a lot of us. I think that are extroverts to see like how do you get plugged back into that life and whether you want to to be running around like that so much. Anyway, definitely, Isaac and Carrie. What about you all? I think for me, the the time when it's been most difficult to sort of stay in. Was over the summer. I mean, when when the Black Lives Matter protests were happening all over the country, like I uh, I did attend a bunch of them, and luckily, you know, people were really taking care of themselves and social distancing and and stuff like that. And um, it just that was a time where, uh, as a pastor and and a organizer in Charlottesville, where I was then, you know, I felt like I kind of had to have a presence. But I, I think the biggest thing, honestly, was I think I, last week, the election week was so tough because on Tuesday night, I wanted everything to be like clear from like the minute so that yeah. we could have this big cathartic like <laughs> weight off the shoulders. Yeah. And then it ended up being like another like four to five days of just, <laughs> of just absolute mania while watching John King play with a giant iPad on CNN or whatever. Oh and it's just, well, and then, I'm so impressed with how they were able to turn, we have no update, into 30, 40 hours of television. Like I watched them with that handful of index cards, tap Nevada and say, again, we have no further updates. We got more votes but, coming in and then like 15 come in. It's like, yeah. I know, but for like 40 hours, I was like, how did you turn this into that long? I, I'm impressed at the journalism skill because... Really, a, uh, really a model no for podcasting. Just absolutely nothing to say for hours and hours. Yeah, just hours and hours. But, but, then yeah. on, but then on Saturday, when they finally called it, it was just like, okay, I, you know, I want to go like, like ride down the Tennessee River with a Roman candle in my mouth or something like. Just yeah. speaking of America, absolutely. Yeah, you know, I'll echo you there because I'll definitely say times of celebration were perhaps the most difficult during all of this because, you know, not just obvious moments of celebration like that, you know, like the, you know, the election, the results, good things happen, stuff like that. Like, uh, I had a birthday and um, before I decided to quit the job, I had like my four-year anniversary there and I was like, oh, this is cool. And and other random things that I celebrate, like, oh, it's Thursday and the sun's out, you know, <laughs> just stuff. Most when I wanted to Friday evening. A cardigan or a tie that you like. Exactly. I was like, oh, I'm so handsome today. I should be somewhere letting people see me. <laughs> I'm going to come <laughs> home and, you know, and just, but moments of celebration like that were difficult. But again, it was okay. Is celebrating this worth putting yourself at risk to, you know, not celebrate anything else? Every and so it's like, all right, no, 
deep breaths. <laughs> Be cool. Uh, I very much take a, a March Madness NCAA motto to this. Survive and advance. Yeah. You know, just get through this to live the rest of your life. It's almost a liturgy of ordinary things, wouldn't you say, Carrie? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Uh, sorry. Is that right. the word of the day? Is the confetti about to fall? No, li- li- liturgy of ordinary things. Is this, is this my fight corner? Um, I think so. No, it's just, there, there's a book. It's really popular and... Carrie and I were talking about it one time. It's written by a priest, uh, but comes to find out Anglican from the Anglican Church of North America, uh, which, you know, kind of separated from the Episcopal Church for, you know, basically because of the of uh, the Rod Draher uh, panic around uh, homosexuality. Yeah, but anyway, and as she, she, the, the author just gets lifted up all the time. And I come, I'm kind of always like, you know who she is, right? Like, she did not leave with her. Anyway, it was a little throwaway joke. We don't have to go into it. Uh as but with that as a as a perfect segue, uh, Brandon, I guess you have a a a uh, a segment for us about one of my all time favorite things, which is is Thanksgiving food. Oh, Thanksgiving food! So I love to cook. It's a good time because it's a combination of things that I love. Of you know, art. You get to be creative, fancy, but then also I love science. Used to love, you know, Bill Knott, science guy, and just frizzle, all that stuff. I remember being a kid and like mixing, this is terrible, like shampoo and bleach and window cleaner in my grandmother's bathroom in the hopes that I'd make something to cure cancer, you know, some science experiment or whatever. I but, actually um, heard that that could cure the coronavirus. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Only if it's just in minute about. Anyway, just full down, just a little, just a little, and a spoonful of sugar. Grandpa is calling Brandon to uh, get him to release the vaccine. So, okay, what's funny, do this or not? When you said Trump is calling Brandon, I've got a Google dot in my like office here, and my dot said, you know, okay, Brandon, playing. That's amazing. Because the feds are always watching. So cooking allows me to combine all of those things. And so Thanksgiving in particular is one of those show-off cooking events. You know, single guy, it's not always worth it to just make a gourmet meal for yourself, just whatever. But Thanksgiving, you can you know, show out. And so um, in the past multiple times, I have you know, done a big dinner and you know, done a big turkey and invited a bunch of people over. So it's cool. So my favorite Thanksgiving foods I make, turkey is cool. It's not everybody's favorite, but turkey is cool. But I make a really mean stuffing for my turkey from scratch. That's amazing. I stuff the bird and I do, um, I make uh, homemade cornbread and let that, you know, kind of stale and dry out. Then you crumble it up. I saute onions, peppers, mushrooms, celery, apples, and um, what chorizo and all of that. And then I mix it with the cornbread and then I stuff that into the bird and Put the spices and the apples and the sausage and everything 
It's amazing. I often use uh, sherry to brine my turkey in as well. So it gets a nice savory, sweet flavor, and it's amazing. There's that. And then on my second thing, I bake a mean cheesecake. And so um, just my specialty, whenever I feel like baking or whatever. And so particularly during Thanksgiving, I make a mean pumpkin cheesecake that um, has stuff, but it's amazing. And the pumpkin really lends itself well to the texture of cheesecake in general. And then I throw in like some Heath crumbles, that nice toffee in there, um, a little butterscotch. And so it's got a nice flavor and everything. It's amazing. So those two, I'll say definitely my favorite Thanksgiving foods that I make. Everything else is just kind of whatever, general food. But as long as I've got stuffing, Pumpkin cheesecake. It's a good day. So I feel like if we're going to talk about Thanksgiving food, we have to have some kind of take on it. I mean, Isaac, you, you seem like the one who's going to have a take on Thanksgiving out of all of us. Uh, I don't know why I think that, but any particular Thanksgiving takes, Isaac, about... I know your feelings on candy corn, but we've transitioned. We missed that. Oh, candy corn is terrible. Yeah, thank you. Well, it was nice having you on, Brandon. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm quitting the pod. I know. Carrie, we can start her on. It'll be fine. Terrible. Reese's Pumpkins for life. All right. We can can find unity around that. Why Uh, must there be a divide? Right. (laughs) This is both and. This is classic. Classic Anglican theology right here. Both and. Let's do it. I want us to find a third way. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. No, my question, besides just generally, once again, reiterating my despi- my just absolute disgust at candy corn, is Brandon, Agreed. I'm surprised to hear that you, uh, a Southerner, are like using stuffing rather than dressing. Like you put it in the bird. I've always heard that that's a Yankee thing, but maybe I'm wrong. Well, because I think it's a waste to not put it in the bird. There are health uh, or health reasons because it can it ups the complexity of cooking the turkey because you have to make sure that the internal temperature reaches, you know, whatever is necessary to kill the salmonella and the bacteria. So it adds a degree of difficulty. But you think about it, you got all that juice from the turkey anyway, anyway, that's just going to come out of the bird and just sit there. Yes, you could siphon it off and add it to a pan of dressing. And I've got family members, my aunt over in North Carolina makes some mean dressing, nothing wrong with it, but I mean, it's a whole separate thing. Why not just let it naturally occur while it's there? And then the two of them can, you know, add to each other because the chorizo and the apple and all that stuff inside of the turkey adds a wonderful flavor to the inside of the meat as well as it you know, cooks further in. And so you get kind of a, a symbiosis there between the bird and the stuffing that you don't have to do anything else for. It's one pan, you know. So I love it. It's all there. I guess I didn't realize that stuffing and dressing were different. I don't really like either, <laughs> oh, yeah. but it makes sense uh, being the word. But uh, right. yeah, so uh, well, yet another thing learned on the podcast. We're a dressing family. Like we always just have a, a separate pan, but I do think sometimes it's just like, are you a turkey family or are you a side dish family? Like we don't really there care about the turkey. So like yeah. we'll make a separate, a separate pan because we want to eat like a ton of dressing. <laughs> <laughs> Which that's fair. That's fair. But I kind of see that as a challenge. And so that's why I try to make my, my turkey as good as possible too, because 
that's the challenge. Like I said, I, I like to cook, but Thanksgiving itself offers a chance to like show up. And if you're going to watch Food Network for X amount of, you know, days throughout the year, why not use some of that Alton Brown stuff one day and just throw down, make it, you know? So. Well, I mean, part of it is like turkey versus like sides, like reheating turkey is just kind of gross. doesn't have any flavor most of the time, even if no matter what you're, well, maybe mine. Uh, but okay. I, I think like the Your sides, turkey. <laughs> Brandon's like, don't lump me in with that. Uh, Get off my corner here. Uh, no, but I think like, I, I, I like that, Carrie, because I think that that's, that's our family as well. Like we'll, we'll have like a little tiny yeah. turkey breast and then we'll make two things of the sweet potato casserole and two things of green bean casserole and like 600 different uh, things and then eat off of that for the entire week. This yeah. is also bringing me back to our kind of initial, uh, our initial conversation, which is, this is the part that makes me sad, right? Like I've been able to get through most of, I don't care about summer that much, but like Thanksgiving and moving into Christmas when you do get to have those yeah. moments together, man, it's, it's gonna, I think it's going to be rough, um, especially when For it's everybody. just going to be me sitting home, you know, freezing, uh, unfreezing a, a turkey breast and thinking about like, how do you stuff this with chorizo? Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, yeah. I, do. I think that'll be the challenge for everybody, especially now that, Cases are spiking in general, and it's like, okay, really, guys, this isn't the time to get 20 people in a room or somewhere. Just don't do it as much as you want to right now, yeah. especially. But we'll all have to get through it, you know. But I do, I'm thinking about sides right now on Thanksgiving food. And another thing that's, I don't know, I'm, I'm weird about with Thanksgiving, and I'm kind of like this about performing and just everything too. I like to make it, and then I like to be done with it. Send it away. Like, all right, I've made it. Go. People, enjoy yourselves. This is, <laughs> you the this is the first time I've ever wanted to move to Knoxville. I know. I love it. Like, uh, I'll cook the turkey and make it. And this one's like, oh, oh, are you going to cut it? I was like, Shh, I cook. I don't cut. Someone do this. <laughs> eat and be merry. And I just like to cook it. I just like, boom, go away. And I'll maybe eat like a plate. Like, give me a chunk of the dark meat, scoop of the stuffing, some of the stuff, and then let everybody else be, you know. We are. Oh my god, this is amazing! So we're on different sides of the aisle on that one. I know. I, I it's one of my favorite things. I don't know. Like I said, with even with performing, like I want to sing the song and then I want to walk off stage. That's it. Drop the mic. Be done. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Isaac's got something to say. I keep cutting him off. Okay, Brandon. Just okay to to go on sides. Sort of to wrap up the segment. We. We need your wisdom on mistakes not to make on Thanksgiving stuff that people do all the time that is just absolutely terrible that you would just be like, hey, look, if you've been making <laughs> this food every year and no one likes it or just, I don't know, what are the most common mistakes uh, that you see on Thanksgiving? Do what you know. Yes, show up, you know, be fancy if you want to, but don't be fancy outside of your lane. If you can't fry chicken, don't decide on Thanksgiving that you're going to fry an entire turkey. You know, like, have something comparable that you can compare it to, right? Also, uh, I'm big on textures. So your, uh, your green bean casserole, if it's runny, no, leave that at home. Please stop. Like, <laughs> the whole point of green bean casserole is that it's creamy and baked and it's not like running everywhere. So I've had someone that was like, this is wrong. Please stop. Um, God, no, don't bring boxed mac and cheese to the, like, please. If that's not in a foil pan with some type of cheese crust on top, then leave that at home. 
again, like blue box is fine for the other rest of the year or whatever, but like use some actual cheese and some shells or something for you again, foil pan or leave it at home for the mac and cheese. Um, and then also, I don't know the, um, it depends on your household. If you're in a, a sweet potato casserole or a sweet potato, I remember my grandma just like sweet potatoes and that was cool too. She split them open with the brown sugar and the butter and all that stuff. That's cool too. But like, if your marshmallows aren't melted on your green or on your sweet potatoes, also leave that at home because I don't want to eat a sweet potato with just a lucky charm on top. Like, what is that? No. <laughs> what are we adults or are we are we not? So melt that down. Exactly. <laughs> what are we adults? Like, come on. Melt that down. Like pop that back in the oven a little bit. And so uh, that's what I'll say on sides. Nice. Word. Final food takes here. Gary, tell us about Texas or Thanksgiving, Texas. Do you have any special things that y'all make down there? Well, uh, I grew up in Texas, but my family's from Southwest Virginia. So I don't think that we're really like representative. I think mm. we just kind of have standard Southern stuff. Uh. I was say, West Virginia, do you just bite into the lump of coal or <laughs> do you crumble it up over other dishes just to... <laughs> oh my well, goodness. Now that hillbilly elegy is coming out, our people are finally going to be understood, Carrie. There you go. Oh my, God. my mom was like up in arms about that trail about the trailer. First of all, she was... <laughs> It was just, it's so bad. It's so bad. And also, J.D. Vance isn't even from Appalachia. So. Yeah, yeah, Ohio is not Appalachia. I'm sorry, but get out of here. I, mean, there's... I didn't even realize that it was a thing until I was on some website and saw somebody writing the think piece or something about it. I was like, oh, okay. But to be fair, that's how most Black films that are not made by Black people look to us. And so... It was kind of like, oh, what's the big deal? That's half of the WB's lineup, or half of, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, just half of any random lineup. But it's like, oh, that didn't happen to me all that often. Oh, okay, I get it. And yes, feel your rage. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a white people thing, I guess. <laughs> I just want to say, Amy, you deserve an Oscar, but not like this. Not like this. <laughs> not like this. <laughs> Glenn Close's whole oh, man. whole deal in that movie is astounding to me. <laughs> Glenn Close scares me. I used to watch that show Damages, I think that she was on, where she was like the man-eater lawyer or something, and she was terrifying. And I've so been getting a lot of Hulu ads for that recently. It's very good, but she is terrifying. <laughs> well, um, yeah, if, if you haven't gotten this clearly enough. Uh, we're out on Hillbilly Elegy. That's a big no. <laughs> and candy corn. And candy corn. <laughs> well, that's half Sorry, the Sorry, Gary. It has to be both. Oh right. I, that's not fair. <laughs> you know I'll never go in on rule. Hillbilly Elegy. <laughs> we were trying to sneak it in while you were distracted. I was like, I don't know. Well, before before the the pod uh, devolves into a uh, an argument of who's right and who's wrong, with Carrie and I being right, uh, you know, the, the talk of Hillbilly Elegy reminds me of of possibly all the good things that have been coming out over the past year. You know, it's one of the good things of, of being, I guess, uh, isolated or being stay at home is to be able to kind of in. Uh, 
take in things either that you wanted to watch again or possibly that you get to read, watch, or or see for the first time. So we're going to do a couple of a couple of lists of things that have happened over the last few months of, of isolation. We'll start with best TV shows, movies, or books that got you through lockdown. Let me see. I'm looking at the title of it right now because I forget. I think it's becoming maybe it's on Hulu. And basically, no, another uh, woke on Hulu. It is very smartly done and amazing. I never would have had the time to watch it before. Basically, it's about a black artist who is going through his life, normal, upstanding black guy, not worried about racial issues because you know that doesn't happen to me. I'm I'm good or whatever. And one day he gets mistaken for a criminal and roughed up by the police and it completely changes his mindset. And the way it's done in the show is that basically he's an illustrator, draws cartoons. So basically cartoons all over town start talking to him like, you know, that happened because you're black and he becomes woke from the experience of dealing with the police and it changes his whole mindset. And um, yeah, he thinks he's going crazy because these little cartoons come up all around the world, basically talking to him like, you know, what are you going to do about it? Can you just go back to being quiet now that you're blah, blah, blah. And it's really interesting, very smartly done, especially for just a direct Hulu series. So, um, first Hulu shade. they're trying they're trying to get up there but they're not there yet you know <laughs> not quite to the wb lineup yet right exactly not quite to the wb lineup. <laughs> and so very smartly done you know you see very few original concepts like that that are just smartly done and so that's good um what else? Some cool stuff. For the culture, I watched uh, Lovecraft Country. Yeah. And I'm not a horror person at all. I hate it as a rule. But uh, I watched this just because, you know, for the struggle. And it was it was well done. Um, I think it tackled a lot of subjects. And I don't know, wasn't as tight as it perhaps could have been. But just for the immense amount of ground that it covered, Subject-wise and thematically, I thought it was well done. And also some great performances from the actors and just a lot of depth of, of story writing there as well. And also thought that outside music and poetry and all that stuff was used well, utilized well in the series. So that was good. Oh, what else? So much TV because quarantine. <laughs> what else have I been doing? Oh, a great Netflix movie um, that I've got to shout out. It's called... 40-year-old version. Yeah. And that was really good. It is about about a um, about-to-be 40-year-old woman who is a playwright who was on one of those 30 under 30 lists coming up and was supposed to be the next big thing. And then between 30 and I think she's 39 in the filming, like nothing happens. And so she's going through quarter-life crisis and all of that and decides to stop being a playwright and become a rapper at 39 as a woman and she's got bars so she you know goes and kind of gets her groove back a little bit and love interest and all that stuff but also kind of explores just what it's like or to be in that phase of life like i'm 34 so i'm like okay i, I get that and then also to be a black artist working in 
a white world and you know in a, in a medium that's traditionally skewed white and those interactions and show so it's very complex but then also kind of an unfamiliar concept and was an independent piece as well so the whole movie is done in a black and white film and the woman that writes it also stars in it and uh, it's just very interesting so i'd recommend that as well on netflix brandon you don't know this but Brian is a young adult author and he wrote some books and nothing's happened. And, and the, the transformation, instead of being a rapper, he's just going to become a professional wrestler. That's, that's his arc. Perfect. Here right. for it. Perfect segue to my probably number one on my list. But number one on my list would be Watchmen. And it's not that it came out during oh, this yes. time, but I watched it. Amazing. Um, Amazing. There's lots of, there's lots of, cries about how we need a second season. No, like that perfect end to that series. season of television. Right, exactly. Perfect. I also loved Lovecraft Country. I tweeted about it. Isaac gave me a reply of just meh uh, on that one. Uh, So, you know, whatever. At Baylor Sword Poet uh, on Twitter if you want to hit him up on that. Uh, But probably my favorite thing that I've been doing (laughs) is watching, there's a thing called AEW Dynamite Wrestling. And it's like old school wrestling from when I was a kid. I watch it every single Wednesday. Yeah, your brother. Uh, and it's been fun. It's it, And I think the reason, I, I mean, I'm not going to lie and say I don't like wrestling anyway, but during a pandemic where all of a sudden there's no fans and stuff like that, and it's something that if you want something just to sit around for an hour and a half and be mindless, professional wrestling is your ticket. Uh, so that's going to yeah. be my uh, my number one lowbrow with Watchmen being my other one. Nice. Gary, go. Uh, okay. Well, both of these shows didn't come out during the pandemic, but I watched them. The, my highbrow pick is Babylon Berlin, which is a German show. So you have to watch it with subtitles. The dub on Netflix is really bad, <laughs> but it's uh, it's set in Weimar, Germany, and it's kind of like a noir, but it plays with the uh, the genre really interestingly. And also, crucially, the main character is not cool, like at all, which is important when you're watching a detective show because I hate cool detectives. Love a good detective one-liner. Yeah. I, I just think but, American detectives are a little bit too much propaganda. This this show, uh, because of when it's set, and also I think because it's made by Germans and not Americans, it's like, it just handles the whole thing way better. Also, that's a cool term, propaganda. Very nice. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was like, okay, nice. Yeah, I originally learned it because my brother refuses to watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine because it's propaganda, And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> just let me watch my <laughs> Andy <laughs> Samberg show. <laughs> simultaneously um, convicted and annoyed by that. I, yeah. I know. Um, my other show that I, I watched this at the beginning of quarantine, like in March, and I was completely alone for this experience, which is important because I watched like the first three seasons of Riverdale in a fever. Like it was, it's unhinged. Like that entire show is off the rails and I can't in good faith recommend it to you um (laughs) but i will say that it trans it is transporting the first season really like grips you by the throat and you need to find out who killed jason blossom and beyond that like go with god like it's up to you whether you want to stick with the show after season one but season one of riverdale is honestly extremely worth it (laughs) 
I just I just want every take, Gary, to be some kind of Riverdale take from now on. Like you just don't oh, you don't speak on the podcast, and all of a sudden it's like on Riverdale this week. We <laughs> well, I okay. So season three actually is incredibly boring uh, because they like the writers just make some choices that means that like oh, it's insane. none of the characters, none of the well, also none of the characters are like really on the same plot line anymore. So they're not talking to each other. So the season just gets incredibly boring, and I couldn't keep watching it because I was like, I don't, I'm tired of this. <laughs> Isaac, you're once again muted. Oh, I've got to go back one and add one show. You mentioned a uh, German dubbed Netflix show. I can't forget and say enough about the amazing show. The third season did come out in June during quarantine. Dark. Oh, I started that. I just goodness. finished the first season. Dark is a masterpiece of television. There are three seasons. The third, third and final season came out during quarantine. And it is, again, just a near perfect ending. The third season and even that final episode is just a perfect ending of television. But it's a great sci-fi, time travel, mystery uh, show. Uh, it'll play with your head. It's also a marvel of casting. Like if you just finished the first season, um, they play with people across three different timelines and three different phases of their life and the actors that they found to play them all at, you know, as children, as adults and as seniors is remarkable because you can clearly see. And I really do think it's three separate actors for each one, for even the senior citizens. So it's not like they just did prosthetics and makeup. No, it's really, they found three different people that look like, you know, you as a kid, you as an adult, and you as a senior citizen for like 20 people. And it's wild. So a marvel of casting, but also a marvel of writing. And in German, the um, the English dub, though, is really good and it works out closely. So it's really good, but can't say enough about it. Dark. Three seasons. Perfect. My Riverdale hot take. For fuck's sake. As a person who loved Archie comics as a kid, I was so disturbed by the fact that Archie and Miss Grundy are having an affair that I like could not go. Wait, Riverdale's about Archie? Yes, it's about yeah. Archie. Yeah. <laughs> what? It's dark Archie. Archie. Never watched Riverdale, but I've just heard of it. And I was like, what? Listen. But Archie, what? Yeah, so Miss Grundy is not 80 years old. She's like in her 40s. And she and Archie are like hooking up in his... In his like beetle in the first. Oh god, no, my childhood. Yeah. No, oh, okay. and they really—I will say—they really don't handle that plot line well. Oh yeah, did not know that's what Riverdale was about. Oh yeah, yeah, it's like Archie comics, but dark, and also Archie is like the dumbest person alive. <laughs> like he's never made a good decision in his oh, life. Wait, is Jughead still in the show? And Archie is still yes. the dumb person. Alive? Oh, Jughead, yeah. okay. Also, and Jughead is a lesbian. It's canon. <laughs> Wait, is Archie the one that got? <laughs> wait, is Archie the one that got mauled inexplicably by a grizzly bear? Yes, okay, yeah, he is. <laughs> it's one of the best plot lines of all time. I, it's supposed to be excellent pursued by bear. Yeah, the bear doesn't catch you. <laughs> oh gosh! But again, the reason that happened is because they took Archie. Like, it's one of the reasons that season three doesn't like really work as as TV is because they send Archie away from like all of the other characters. So he had to be getting up to something and that something was getting attacked by a bear. Yeah, I mean, when you think of like the classic plots in, in American drama, I mean, that that just, it, it's right up there with all of them. <laughs> well, That's to be fair, it did win Leo the Oscar, yeah. finally. Yeah. So... <laughs> 
Isaac, what, what's your what's your TV show? We haven't gotten to you on that one. I've, yeah, I've got a couple. Um, in in lieu of Hillbilly Elegy, if you want a good movie, I recommend watching The Devil All the Time uh, uh, last month. It's got an awesome cast. It's violent as hell. So if that's not your thing, do not watch it. But like that is a real sort of American Gothic Appalachian story. So check that out. Um, Robert Pattinson with an incredibly weird performance. And I absolutely salute him for being a total weirdo. I also have to admit that um, I watched a fair amount of anime during lockdown. <laughs> and, and I'm going to recommend them because I have no shame. One of them is called Soul Eater and uh, it's awesome. I, I finished it a couple weeks ago. It's a lot of fun. It's on Hulu. Uh, they do have a good anime catalog. And then also um, the best like superhero thing I've seen in a while is an anime called My Hero Academia. Oh, and yeah. It's, it's really, really good. Oh, yeah. It's tight. It's, it's like, I think it's better than the Marvel movies for real. It's just a way more interesting world. The characters are really cool. There's even one called Mount Lady, which is absolutely hilarious to me. <laughs> and and, a, to, and a, a shout out to the to, to the actual uh, uh, books as well. Amazing. My, my son has them all. Yeah. So My Hero Academia is really good. And then uh, because I'm a classy mofo, I have a book to recommend as well. Yeah, that's right. Step oh. Literature. Ever heard of it? Anyway, it's called... <laughs> It's called. Oh, God, God. Mr. Duke is coming out. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. I was like, literature. Anyway, continue. I'm sorry, I got a light of pipe. Um, <laughs> uh, How to Do Nothing Resisting the Attention Economy by Jenny O'Dell. It's really, really good. Mm. Um, it's just talking about, like, basically, the kind of summary of the book is how, like, social media, the news cycle is just like constantly grabbing our attention and like sapping us of focus sapping us from engaging with the world around us. And like she talks, it's kind of a call to kind of just refuse all that for the sake of connecting connecting more with our local environment, with community organizing, like with real community with people. But one of the most compelling things she talks about is how like, you know, the time we spend on social media, we all have, our brains have a certain level of curiosity every day that we typically have filled with you know, human interaction and, and, and being with other people. And now basically our social media apps are designed to kind of like sap that up. And so we want to be with people less because we're spending our curiosity on Twitter or Facebook. And so, yeah, it's, it's a really good book. I, I really recommend it, uh, How to Do Nothing by Jenny O'Dell. You reminded me of two different, two other ones that would be on my list. One, because of your uh, manga uh, or anime, sorry. And then the other one for a bit that's going to come later. But uh, the Harley Quinn animated series, did he, has anybody watched that? I, I would commend oh, that no. to you. Also, possibly, no, not possibly, not really child-friendly, but extremely good. Um, and then the last one, the one that, the first kind of like true COVID experience that I had where it was like something that I was just kind of living for every week was The Last Dance. So the, the Michael uh, Jordan documentary. Um, oh, yeah. Speaking of things that uh, have been that are, have been moved during uh, COVID, the, the movie industry outside of Isaac's favorite movie, Tenant, um, which did you see it or how did I, I know you had some takes on I that? Didn't see I went to see it in uh, with my brother, and we were the only two people in the theater. Okay. He it was like a low point for me in the pandemic, and he was like, "Yo, you want to go see 
tenant and I was like, am I going to like risk my life to see a movie? And I somehow talked myself into going and then I immediately regretted it because the movie is terrible. It's absolutely <laughs> awful. And I was like, I really, I could die for this movie. And uh, <laughs> it's your parting I, yeah. shot. Your parting shot should not be tenant. No, well, it's, just a, it's low rent inception. It's the exact same plot, but it's just not nearly as entertaining. It's boring as hell. And I'm sorry, but John David Washington is just like, I mean, he has like, the movie gives him absolutely nothing to do except look around and be confused. And, and the whole thing, <laughs> which is a bummer because I love him. Uh, yeah, he was great in, uh, what was it, Black Clansman? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we never got to the actual topic. So the topic is, Outside of Tenet, <laughs> what movies that were delayed in 2020 are you going to miss the most? I'm not as big of a movie person, and so I can't, I, without them, you know, building up and showing me commercials for them every however much, I don't know what was slated to come out really this year. I have one too. I have, I have the movie, but I'll, I'll let you go first. <laughs> Mine, most obviously, over Memorial Day weekend, we were supposed to get Fast and Furious 9, <laughs> and we did not. And uh, as a member of the family, I just, I have, I've been mourning it all year. Uh, how many movies, how many movies can we fit into a franchise? I don't know. I feel like now that we've got nine, we have to get to Fast 10 oh, because, well, your seatbelts, you know. Yeah, Fast. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was just a beat behind you, Brandon. <laughs> Dang it. That was mine. Oh, I, right that that was I was slobbing it up for I you. Know. Fast and... But, I mean, we... Now that we're at nine, we got to get to 10. But yeah. how, how really did we get to a world where we need that many Fast and Furious movies. And the fact that they just get more and more ridiculous. Like, I, right. I, I love the first one. After that, it's just like, like, which is the one, uh, Isaac, you'll know this, which is the one, don't they like, like fly off a plane, like through a building and then onto another plane or, or some shit like that, right? No, you're, you're complaining a couple of different scenes. There's oh. one where they drop, this is a seven. <laughs> I've never seen it. They drop cars out of a plane uh, onto a road in the middle of, um, I think Uzbekistan. <laughs> and then later in Abu Dhabi, they like jump a car out of one tower and into another. Anyway, but the point is there can never be enough Fast and Furious movies. <laughs> and I will ride or die with the family for the rest of my life. And I just also want to shout out, turns out in Fast 9, Dominic Toretto has a brother played by John Cena and the tagline is not all blood is family. And I just want to put out a word that this is clearly Fast and Furious, the most Catholic uh, movie franchise out there. Uh, clearly them talking about how Jesus calls us to obliterate the nuclear family, saying in Luke 14, whoever comes to me and does not hate father, son, brother, sister, husband, or wife cannot be my disciple. And clearly not okay. family. It's, it's joining a trajectory of recent films who have talked about how family is the kin you choose, not the one you're born with, going back to like shoplifters and Parasite and some other big movies. So even when, because we have to throw that in here, even when you can't see him, he's still there and it's still your family, John Cena. So like when you see one 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 tracks, one one set of tire tracks on the road, it's when John Cena picked you up. Is that is that kind of how that goes? It was then that he was preparing <laughs> to <laughs> slam you. <laughs> it was then. Yeah. 
he was driving you to your next uh, race. Oh God! Fast nine and and fast ten. Your seatbelts. I'm already <laughs> extremely <laughs> ready, like on a molecular level for that. If they don't know it, then um, they can't show the movie. I mean, that's got to be oh, that's got to be a title a title uh, uh, contender for the episode. Fast really? ten. Your seatbelts. Your seatbelts. Yeah, there it is. I, I feel like I can't dunk too much on on Fast and Furious since I, I I was I brought up uh, professional wrestling. I, I'm I'm waiting. I guess my movie. There's a couple. So like for me, the two that are I really do want to see. One was the new Ghostbusters movie. I'm just, I'm a sucker for any kind of like nostalgic thing from when I was a kid. Oh, cool. So that's one. But two, I, I love when movies reframe things around teenagers. It's one of the reasons why I like writing young adult literature. Uh, anything where you can tell a story about teenagers in a way, and if you can put it into a world that I care about, perfect, I'm in. Um, similarly, uh, Dune. I was really psyched about the new Dune movie. Um, so that one got pushed back. But my official pick is a movie that is... I, w- I wish Carrie was here for his... They had, they had to step away for a second. Uh, but my official pick is Top Gun Maverick. Um, Top Gun Maverick <laughs> is... <laughs> There's so many things going on. It's it's not going to be good. It'll never live up. It's going to commit every single movie reboot sin possible. I I guarantee, I don't know if I think, but I guarantee Goose's son or somebody will be in the the Top Gun class. Uh, In the the thing, you have Tom uh, Tom Cruise, who I think actually flew some of the jets himself, which, you know, bonus. But... You know, in in the in the trailer, you have Tom Cruise riding a motorcycle at like ninety miles an hour, no helmet. Uh, it's everything that you want. There's there's going to be a scene where they are shirtless and playing some kind of sport, probably beach volleyball or beach football would be my guess. Uh, all of this stuff happens, and it all comes together in one glorious hour and a half moment of of Top Gun Maverick. So that that's my pick. It was supposed to come out in July. Now it's coming out December twenty third. Uh, when you talk about risking your life for a movie. I might, I might be on my way to the danger zone. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's an old man joke for you. I right see there. what you uh, did there. I see that. Um, this, I'm not giving myself any credit for for my claims that I'm not a boomer with that joke. But Top Gun Maverick with a with an with a dot a pole position December twenty third, twenty twenty. Let's go. Well, and and Carrie, Carrie is back. I was you you missed it, Carrie. I just dropped Top Gun Maverick knowledge. I know you're in. Maybe I'll even maybe I'll even drive down to Texas. Let's go. Listen, I I don't know. I don't know how you responded. Like, I don't know what your take was because I was responding to a work emergency. But Top Gun Maverick looks so bad. And, <laughs> and that is on the scale of the first Top Gun movie. <laughs> oh, 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 man. And I love Top Gun. But the second one looks like it was made specifically to like capitalize on like the MAGA chud demographic. And I'm just, I'm not excited about it. And I'm also like, why is Tom Cruise there? Like, why is he still flying the planes? It says it in the trailer. Okay. You make a good point about the MAGA. I'm going to choose to ignore it. Um, But he's there because of orders. He was ordered back. That's why he had to he had to come back. I know. I just like logistically the Air Force is not gonna let this like 55-year-old <laughs> man fly fighter jets. Especially with a name like Maverick. I mean oh, no. anyway. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> well, I guess I, I don't have any movies that I was looking forward to because I didn't know what was slated to come out. But anything that doesn't cost thirty dollars. Like I, I saw Disney pumping Mulan, live action Mulan or whatever. I was like, oh, that's cool. But now thirty dollars is cool. 
Like, whoa. I think I saw what I've seen any number of major music acts for like $35 or $40 live in person that were not Mulan. So no thank you, Disney Plus. I will now be paying $30 to watch this single movie live. Calm that down. I actively told people, I was like, yo, don't support this because if they get used to this, then the Empire can't go on, you know, something. Don't do it. <laughs> so anything that's not 30 bucks, I get it. Movie industry, you're hurting, but... So Brandon, Brandon out on out on WB, Hulu, and Disney Plus. Netflix getting some love. Exactly. Netflix, yeah, Netflix all all day. Uh, well, let's let's turn to so over the past tw- uh, couple of months since twenty twenty started, uh, there's been a lot of there's been a lot of sadness, a lot of uh, pain and, and isolation, but there has been some some pretty damn funny things happening too. Uh, so let's turn to that as our topic: the three, or if you however many you have, but three funniest cultural moments of twenty twenty. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna start off. It's recency bias, but I don't care. Four Seasons Landscaping has to be number one for me. I mean, Four Seasons Landscaping is the ultimate fuck up. And it's like, it is so wonderful and glorious. And usually stuff like that I don't get on board with, but man, just like chef's kiss, right? There it is. That's number one for me. Oh, Oh, man. Also, just like, so part of my job now is like large event planning, like, or like, (laughs) I just know a lot more about it since starting this job. And just the decisions that had to be made and completely fucked up to like end (laughs) in an alley outside of a dildo shop (laughs) next to a crematorium i cannot for nationally televised press conference in that like the levels of security that have to be failed. And then it's like the owner. I, I, I go back to like my kind of like unfortunate empathy. I just think about the owner who I think actually was a Trump supporter, but getting the call and being like, yeah, all right, let's go. Uh, I mean, they're going to capitalize on this by all the liberal people buying their uh, okay. buying their T-shirts and stuff. Oh, but, but I thought yes. about that first. It's like, oh, this guy. And then to realize that it's just like, you know, the complete incompetence of that administration is like, of course, this is how it ends. Okay, well, Four oh, Seasons Total Landscaping was one of mine oh, as good. well. So yeah. I'm just, the next one on my list was uh, that Reds announcer saying a slur live on air, uh, which, uh, have you heard of this, Brandon? Yes. Okay, I'm not going to say the slur, even though I am one of the people who was allowed to say it. Um, but oh. I think that it was just, everything about that was incredible to me because like, what's the gay capital of the world? Is it Cincinnati or is it Kansas City? The two teams that were playing. (laughs) Also, he was like, and then he had to be apologizing like on air, live on air, and then calling a home run in the middle of his apology. And then the home run being hit into the sign that says no judgment zone. (laughs) Oh, Oh, yes. Perfect. I know that I should be mad about homophobia in baseball, and I am, but oh my God. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up, Gary, because somehow I had forgotten that it even happened because like this has been a decade worth of worth of crazy online things. But uh, his apology, he was like, this is not represent who I am. But clearly an audio engineer had put him on a hot mic to expose him for being a homophobe, right? Like clearly he is a huge asshole and his coworkers are like time to expose this guy. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And then like later that was a setup. And like his subsequent 
uh, he ha- he apologized like four different times, and each one got like slightly less apologetic. And like by the fourth one, he was like, "I don't even know the meaning of that word." And so I was I used it, but I didn't know what it meant, and I'd actually never heard it before. And it was like <laughs> it just tumbled out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah, it was like I thought I invented a new word, <laughs> a, br- a brand new one. Believable. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Isaac, what about you? Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, it's it's hard to go back through the year. Um, I don't know. I'm a sports guy. I think of the Derrick Henry stiff arm as a moment that was memed into eternity, but with the memes have been even better than the stiff arm itself. Just the faces that they've put on Henry and the guy, but that's a cultural moment. I mean, I've seen other stiff arms, sports highlights, whatever. But just the ferocity with which he threw that man to the ground has so many implications for just so many applications for everyday life. Just if there's a get behind me, Satan, that is it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like is Derek Henry throwing him to the ground. It's, and it was it was Josh Norman. So like what a what a person exactly. to, what a person to do it to. Let, exactly. Get some Josh Norman. How about you, Isaac? I'm gonna stay in the sports world here. Um when okay just <laughs> one of the more ridiculous things ever uh the university of massachusetts football coach when they had to shut down their season because of coronavirus they're playing in division two so they're not having a season he came out coach football coach walt bell came out with a quote you know my dad passed away in 08 my mom OD'd in 2012 and to be honest with you this is probably a tougher day than both of those. What? <laughs> this just proves one, one of my one of my like truths of the world is that college football coaches are the most depraved and craven individuals across the entire uh, culture. Just that's oh, it. Like, yeah, absolutely. All of them are PE coaches that won the lottery. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Same as like, Wow. Same You wardrobe. don't coach at Alabama. You don't coach in the SEC. You coach at the uh, University of Massachusetts. And that's like, it's harder for you to lose that season than your mom who OD'd. Like, come on. <laughs> I, I was like, that's like wow. the epitome of like, I'm just going to really go for it with this. And Seriously. Like, wow. Oh, gosh. Well, talking about uh, speaking of somebody who who missed the mark, my my second one is uh, just everything involving Jerry Falwell Jr. Um, oh. Again, a little bit more recent. We recorded a a pod that will will not see the light of air. One of the first uh, until we get canceled pods ever. Uh, just about the whole. I don't even know what you would call it. Uh, it's not a catastrophe, c- c- cacophony maybe, of, of that is Jerry Falwell Jr. It's continuing going, so it might be on my 2021 list at some point as well. Wait, as can well. you, can oh, so you uh, remind people? Things that make me deeply uncomfortable for 2000 Alex. Rest in peace, Alex. Hmm. But the specifics on that, like, it was one thing, okay, marriage stuff, sure. But then his whole no, I was there. I was in on. I was like, <laughs> yeah. So, to, so to recap, uh, <laughs> to recap, Jerry Falwell Jr., uh, president of uh, former president of Liberty University, noted evangelical institution, 
it turns out has a a a, a different side to him. Uh, it, it starts coming out first with a with an Instagram. I think it was an Instagram picture that shows him with his pants unbuttoned and his like gross stomach hanging out, carrying some holding some quote unquote black water or whatever he called it. I don't remember what it was in a cup next to a woman who I think worked for his wife, who also yeah, had her pants assistant. undone. Yeah, his wife's assistant. So there was a fervor about this. If you know anything about Jerry Falwell Jr., I was immediately like, well, this this dude is going to, he'll, he'll rebound past this because they don't care. They most of the time don't care about mm-hmm. this kind of shit. But this one got him. And all of a sudden, accusations, uh, not even accusations, realizations started tumbling out about, about Mr. Falwell Jr. Well, I was just going to say, you can get expelled at Liberty for... Uh owning a rated R movie and drinking alcohol. So like the fact that he's like, well, but just to build on it, uh, speaking of amazing apologies, he claimed that he, the reason his pants were unbuttoned is because it was a pair of jeans he hadn't worn in a while. And he had like, you know, uh, gained a little weight and couldn't fit in them anymore. So they wouldn't button. It's not that he unbuttoned them. It's that they were never buttoned. You know, how how you do. Which which is which is odd given the workout video that we saw soon after that of him hip thrusting two coeds uh, on top of a bar in his private gym. So you would think that that I, maybe that doesn't work your abs. It must. I think it works like your your hamstrings is what that does. So uh, Jerry, I will say the most the most chilling part of that video is that there's just a dog chilling in the weight room. <laughs> It's, it's just so surreal. The whole thing is so surreal. It's Rescue so that dog. Rescue that dog. Yes. Oh. oh god. But but and, but Brandon brought it up too. Is like part of the allegations, and and it's like my thing on this is always trying to figure out like what is the what is the part that just really got to the evangelicals on this, uh, and it's probably not. I, is it the part where they were actively? swinging or the fact that Jerry Follow Jr., like you said, Brandon, was the one that kind of sat in the corner and just watched. Like, there's like a whole bunch of like power things that, that kind of plays into this. It's just like, well, you know, we can have him being have him being, the, the sin is fine. We can deal with the sin. But if he's going to go out there and get cucked, we can't have that. Donald, if we know one thing from Donald Trump, it's that. We can't let that happen. So you're out. Oh, and, right, and right there, right there is the right there is the time where I do not get ordained. That's that's the oh, right. oh, boy. Oh. But I mean, like on a serious note, like you know, I, I've been I've been evangelized too in the Lynchburg Barnes and Noble for looking too gay, and like I just feel very bad for all of the Liberty students who like had to who have to do these draconian measures to make sure that they're not having any sort of sex ever. And Jerry Falwell Jr. is like out there. You can't dance all the way, like (laughs) all the way. You can't even dance at Liberty. Oh, oh, plot twist though. A beautiful plot twist. Lynchburg uh, went for Biden in the election. There it is. Yeah, Yeah, because literally everyone else in Lynchburg is like, "Fuck Jerry Falwell." (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like you go to Liberty if you don't want to see any black people ever, and you live in the rest of Lynchburg, if you want to have like a normal experience in Virginia. <laughs> wow. Right, Carrie, number two for you, Carrie. Uh, I think, well, I'm going to have to jump off here for work, but I think that my other favorite cultural moment also related to sports is the wildcat strikes that <laughs> happened with the Brewers and also the NBA Oh, I think that some excellent memes were produced in the first like couple hours when everyone realized that a strike was happening. (laughs) Like, I think everyone was, everyone got a little ahead of themselves. They were really excited about the idea of striking, but I think 
the memes top choice yeah well i have i have one more that i want to share before carrie jumps off this was on i don't know if y'all have been keeping up with the wife guy twitter thing where every now and then someone will post about their wife it's i with, love wife guys yeah <laughs> so it started with the guy who's like calling himself a hero because he was um, posting about how much he loved his chubby wife. Curvy wife guy. Curvy wife guy. He was like, <laughs> you know, this girl, is, this girl is fat. She's got cellulite and I'm still loving it. Like, give me a medal for being with my like overweight wife. And wow. uh, yeah, it's so embarrassing. Which I might add, that woman is like super hot and really not overweight. Like no. she's probably like a size 18. Yeah, like a totally normal body size. And he's like, I deserve a medal for this. I'm a feminist hero. And um, there's also Cliff Wife, uh, the guy who is filming his family walking on the beach and his wife tumbles down a hill, but she reacts like she's died. And she literally says in a video where she's crying, like, no, don't take a single day for granted. Um, so Cliff Wife guy. And then... In June, in the middle of the pandemic, we had the introduction of Cheese Wife. So this guy posted a picture of his of his wife. It's there at a Mexican restaurant, and this is what he wrote. My wife, date night after three plus months locked up on quarantine, waiting for shredded cheese as it's the only way she can eat fajitas. We've asked four people going on 18 minutes now. Just unreal. And it had me, Cusina, Tex Mex, and Alan Texas. And we got to quit blaming COVID-19 for crappy service. And then there's just this Whoa. picture of this woman like staring at a plate of fajitas without <laughs> cheese with like the biggest pouty face on. Okay. And listen, let me just be clear from the, from the, from the jump. Fuck Allen, Texas. Fuck Plano. <laughs> fuck Allen. Fuck McKinney. Fuck all of the North Dallas suburbs. Wow. Okay? This is the type of person who lives there is the type of person who posts these tweets. They're wow. all cheese wife guys. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so my cheese wife, that's uh, that's my number two. <laughs> nice. Okay. I do have to jump off, so uh, it was nice to meet you, Brandon. Nice to meet you. Sorry about yeah. all of this today. <laughs> okay. And we're going to, with, with, with uh, Carrie jumping off, we're going to transition to some some talk about the NBA bubble. But I want to add, as a transition, my, my funniest cultural moment of 2020, one of them was people thinking LeBron James is better than Michael Jordan. That think People thinking that LeBron James is the GOAT over Michael Jordan. It was made oh. obvious in the uh, in the last dance that, that uh, Jordan was the best and continues to be the best. Uh, um, despite what happened in the bubble with the asterisk title that he that he won, so th- wow, we're gonna go, we're wow. gonna transition to uh, LeBron. Well, yeah, nuclear words. Nuclear, nuclear take. Nuclear take. He's literally oh, okay. Wait, we'll, get, we'll get to it later. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about the top uh, three NBA bubble moments um, because the NBA bubble, like I think, the fact that it even happened, right, it happened was impressive. Impressive with no real COVID drama. Not, I mean, not yeah. really, except for the one guy who invited the the massage therapist into his room. That was funny. Uh, moment, right. That, that can go in the previous category. So top three bubble, but NBA bubble moments. Let, let's hear them. No, I'm sorry. I've got to go back to you believing all the lies that MJ told you in the last dance. Like, no, I, I was there for it. Why is that? Because you're supposed to be a better 
witness. Oh yeah, <laughs> I was I was literally there for it. I you know I, I saw it six titles. I saw it. That's okay, all there. I was there too. We I was were there alive too. In the 90s. I was alive. Yeah, thank you. Right, we saw Jordan, and this is the takeaway from Jordan. But nobody has done what LeBron is doing at this level right now. He's magic meets Michael. It's and it's a different league now. Oh, exactly. Which puts the points in favor of Jordan. If Jordan was in this league right now, he would he would not be playing defense. He'd be sitting out and he'd be taking threes, no question. And and he would have access to all of the uh, the uh, medical and health kind of stuff that LeBron has. Plus, he'd be making well, whatever. Anyway, I don't want to be the one. And if LeBron could have played the bad boy Pistons, he'd have knocked them all out because he's a he's a linebacker. Jordan Jordan did not win a title until all the good players of his generation had retired. Bird was gone. Magic was old when they beat the Lakers. Isaiah Thomas was out. He got punked by all three of them the entire decade in the 80s. And then when he was up against freaking... um, uh, Carl Malone. Carl Malone and John Stockton. I'm sorry, but that is not going coming back for 3-1 against the 2016 Warriors. That's all I'm saying. And he never played a team as good the as the 2017 Warriors. Three and nine or the 74 and eight Warriors. So okay, look, okay, let's think about no, this. I do. When was LeBron's first title? 2012, right? What was his rookie year? 2005, four, something like that. 2003. So nine years in, Jordan's rookie year is eighty four. His first title is ninety ninety one. So he gets there faster. No, it's, it's two. It's ninety two. No, you're right. Ninety one. Yeah, it was ninety one. Uh, but eight years in, eight years versus nine. Come on, that's eight years in. Going with and the people that you listed off that he was going against. I don't. Well, okay, I'm not going to say that. But um, I mean, the point is that I'm trying to make is that you're wrong. Uh, so let's transition to the top three bubble <laughs> moments of, of the NBA because there's no reason to argue this. There's no reason to litigate this. History has already litigated this. The only people who think that are people who are under 35. So if we need to do an age check, we can do that. But uh, the adults in the room know that uh, Jordan is the best. So I'm, I'm just going to get started. Uh, I, the, the top three NBA bubble moments for me, I think number one uh, has to be the social justice names on the back, I know some of them are questionable, but the social justice names on the back and the Bucks sitting out a game, to me, that's that's number one of, of, of things in the bubble that I appreciated. I, I will co-sign that. I appreciate I half of that. Okay. I appreciate <laughs> the, the Bucks sitting out that game because at that point when they sat out the game, I didn't even know the details of what had happened in the case. There was that period at the beginning of the pandemic where there were so many instances of police brutality that it was hard to actually keep track of which one people were talking about. And so, you know, right there, you had Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and George Floyd. And then uh, you had the Kenosha Washington thing, and then the guy crossing the state line. It was all like right there together. And so I remember getting home from work that day and turning on, you know, the NBA getting ready for the game. And they were like, you know, we're going to sit out. I was like, sit out over what? What's happening? And then having to go over to CNN and be like, oh crap, there was another one today. And you know, this, and then immediately thinking, you know what? Good for them. Um, and I, I appreciate the, the kind of kerfluffle that followed it with, Hey guys, we talked about this. We were all going to do it like together. Blah, blah, blah. So I appreciate that. It had even been a, uh, thing that they talked about, but still, I give big ups to them for being, you know, the home team for happening, you know, 30, 40 minutes away from them and them saying, you know what, we're going to be the first, the overall one seed, we're going to sit out just because 
tired of this. And and risk risk forfeit. They were going to forfeit the game. Yeah, they were forfeit the game. Yeah, uh, yeah, I totally agree. But I, I I caught that maybe you didn't like the jerseys. I did not like the jerseys, but it seemed it it rang a little hollow. I think the intent was there, and I get the intent, but. Uh, number eight, voting reform. Number, I was like, uh, it just didn't have the same. I don't know, man. Like I said, the intent was there, and I appreciated the the intent. And I was like, you know, it, it went to show Adam Silver, you're cool. Like the times you even like let people do this. I remember the NFL guys got in trouble for you know writing names on their cleats or something. You know, somebody got fired for wearing socks or something. Like, was that did you let people like, wear? personalized jerseys as long as you know it was off of I think they all had to be approved or something but still I was like it's cool it was a nice gesture in theory but in practice it rang a little hollow to me just yeah a little bit but not against it just didn't love it but that moment I did I when they when they said no we're not going to play during this and kind of the dominoes that fell as a result of that was big time yeah so I agree with you there mm. I clearly did not take this as seriously because I just, um, my, <laughs> That's number my, only three, one. <laughs> my number three moment was um, Paul George getting exposed That's and hitting, so <laughs> hitting the side of the backboard in, oh. the, uh, in the series and being named going from playoff P to pandemic P. Um, and let's let's throw in, because this is one of mine too for time, let's throw in Damian Lillard's uh, shade on on him after he's like, yes. he, knows, he knows me. He knows me. And uh, man, oh. Lillard is a winner of the bubble. Uh, not only yeah. for that, but anyway, yeah. Playoff P. Yes. Uh-huh. Oh God, it was so strong. I love that. Dame's performance just to get into the playoffs, I think was strong. And I think just the, I'll say the emergence of the young Shooting guards, uh, Donovan Mitchell, um, what's his name? Um, Jamal Murray, he went off. Jamal Murray, and even uh, Devin Booker, he didn't get in, but he went He went off. And there were a couple of other guys out east, too. I think Carson LeVert had a game. You, know, mm-hmm. you had all these guys who just went off, who you had never heard of before. Some stars had big games, obviously, but some of the guys were just like, wow. And I, I remember hearing commentators say that, it may have literally been something about the depth perception that they're, you know, basically it's just a TV off screen. And so it's not as far off. And so the point of reference lets people aim better, but it was really ridiculous. how you had just some random guys having like 50 and 60 point games. Well, since, since both of you are, are uh, obviously affected by the recency bias of LeBron, uh, Jamal Murray, is he, is he in the same category as Jordan and, and, uh, and LeBron? Oh my God! Not in the slightest bit. No titles at all. I'm not taking. You got to do it more than once. Not gonna take this the is <laughs> No, I got to do it more than once. All right. I'm gonna segue into my number two, which is Jimmy Butler. Um, just yes. Jimmy absolutely everyone. Grown ass man, Jimmy. Yep. Yes. Proving himself correct. Pro- proving that. Everyone in Minnesota. Proving himself is against the GOAT That's in right. one game. Jordan, you know, but, but the, the, wait, that, yeah, okay. <laughs> proving himself by having such a tremendous performance against the GOAT in the finals. Yes. 
Yeah, Jimmy, game five of the like, finals, the like showdown, the one on one between him and LeBron was, was incredible. Amazing. Yeah, yes. it, was, it was just insane to watch. And on top of that, he started his own coffee business in the bubble, <laughs> Big Face Coffee. Yes. Is that group economics? Already, is that what group economics is? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. I will say that um, that he did at the beginning of the bubble like want to not have any name on the back of his shirt to like. Mm-hmm make this statement that he's just like everyone else. And and of course the answer is no, you're not. Cause you're like a hundred millionaire multiple times. So like, you're not like everybody else. Yeah. But as far as like everybody who trashed him for the way he uh, worked his way out of Minnesota, the way that he like clearly was like the 76ers are trash. They do not know how to win to then go down to Miami and um, immediately have them in the finals. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I'm, I'm a huge Bulls fan, as as you might have noticed at this. Uh, but you know, even in Chicago, you know, kind of claiming that you know he was the the choice over Derrick Rose, which of course he was. Um, I've never been a fan, but in the in the bubbles, he's like he's the he's the big winner. He's like the big winner of the bubbles. He came out and he was just like, nope, not today, <laughs> and it, and did it. I mean, yeah. I, I think I think if I think I've been if, a fan of his ever since that Minnesota game, that famous practice, infamous, where he took the third stringers and just trashed the starters and was talking trash the entire time. Like, what? Come at me and bring it yeah. and trashed them with like the the one day contracts or something. It was amazing. So I've been a fan ever since then. I watched a bunch of Heat games this year. I was like, you know, that's a fun team. You know, and when they got into the bubble, it was like, okay, I didn't think they'd get to the finals, but when they did, I was like, okay. And then they belonged. Dare I say they proved themselves against superior competition because you got to play the best to be considered, you know, just in their same vein, which his performance against the GOAT was just impeccable. Iron and sharp, iron sharpening iron, I will say. On your home. What yeah. does my lowly thirty-four-year-old opinion matter? For <laughs> well, I mean, your your opinions are your opinions matter uh, a lot to me. Just not this particular one. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that yeah, his point of just he's just got he's got fight right, and and so he many like Carl Anthony Towns. You know, I live in Minnesota. He ain't it. He's just not it, yeah. and and I I don't I, and and as soon as and I, I the same thing when he went to the the Sixers I was just like yeah I'm out you know even though he could have gotten the contract and stayed there and, and arguably been in a better team I, I think that you know his fight and if they don't get hurt if they don't lose um um Dragic and Dragic. Uh, yeah Dragic. and um the other dude um Bam yeah Bam another guy I love had a great playoffs we we aren't having this conversation about Levon LeBron possibly because I don't know that they win I I, I mean Anthony um, Davis. Anthony Bruh. Davis goes off. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it has nothing to do with goes to seven games. I'd say it probably goes seven. seven. Well, I'll take it. Yeah. And hey, I'm not a LeBron hater. I just, you know, he's one A. Um, my final, my final point or my final win of the bubble is uh, Luka Doncic game four, 43 points, 17 rebounds, 13 assists, and a step back dagger. I mean, the dude arrives, right? Like, if, if Jimmy Butler's the winner of of uh, of the bubble, Doncic is like this is kind of his coming out party. So that's my that's my number three. Doncic had a nice one. I, I, I just think overall, the bubble is one of the greatest things to happen during this whole time. It was just well done. Nobody called the cooties. It was just well. It's, you know, he just had a lot of great performances. I will say the utter collapse of the Clippers. 
because it was so cold-blooded when Kawhi was like, no, I want to play against him. It was like, oh, okay, then you got to show up. Everybody was primed for that showdown. And then to be up 3-1 and to not bring it home, it was just one of the more epic collapses in all of, you know, just, just recent memory. Just huge collapse for all of the buildup, just for everything. The way it happened, it was just like, really? Are you really not going to get it up? I had this great moment at work the next day where this older gentleman came in and he went to sleep early because, you know, Clippers even had a lead. Yeah. So he just went to bed. He just, I woke up and he walked in and I was talking about it. He was like, yeah, you know, Clippers lost. He's like, Clippers lost? What do you mean? They were out by, you know, blah, blah. And then he just completely loses it and goes off on Kawhi and Paul George and the entire thing. And I'm just sitting there like, this is glorious. This is the beauty of sports. You know, this man is just like, his whole day has been completely changed. He's like, no, they're bums. They should all be gone. And she brought a smile when I needed one during the heart of the pandemic. Well, and the flip side of that is is Isaac's team, the Raptors. I mean, the Raptors showed up too, right? Like there was some, I, I, I was, I, I, I was giving, I would give him a hard time uh, via text or online, but man, I mean, that, that's another team where it's like, oh, these guys have heart. They're not going out easy. They're not going to mm-hmm. go out like that. And, uh, you know, respect to the Raptors. Yeah, especially defending champs to get to go deep like that. Like, no, just because one guy left, we're still here. Yeah. Still a heck of a team, well coached, talent, Van Vliet, you know, big deal. You know, it's going to be a lot of problems for a lot of people. Yeah, Van Vliet's one title, so he's probably he's probably on what number three on your all's uh, rankings of all time. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, your I mean, energy right now, Brian. <laughs> I know it's it's time it's time to end. I think. Uh, no, no, <laughs> he's right ahead at least four guys that Jordan beat for his titles. Oh, the fact that he has one puts him ahead of Carl. Barkley. Oh, oh, oh you know. the hottest take of all time. Barkley. I'm just by your reasoning, just oh. using your metrics, you know, some of the guys that Jordan beat never got a title at all. So Van Fleet gotta be ahead of them. Man, it's crazy that time that Jordan had to guard Danny Ainge or Jeff Hornacek oh. instead of Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. Like, oh. damn, man. Must have been really tough on Kevin him. Durant. Yeah, oh, yeah, man. yeah. Anyway, um, also hilarious cultural MAGA thing. Um, Abby Hornacek, Jeff's daughter, works for Fox News and made a documentary to compete with The Last Dance about her dad guarding Jordan in the 98 finals. And it's called Guarding MJ. And the whole thing is like sort of a Fox News like rebuttal to uh, The Last Dance. I'm telling you, man, it's real. (laughs) Guarding MJ. Yeah. Yeah, all about how Jeff Hornacek is a uh, is a hero for being on the same court as as MJ. But my yeah, it's just it's truly incredible. Um, my last thing, I think the Bam Adebayo block of Jason Tatum and the uh, Ooh, yes. conference finals is one of the craziest plays I've ever seen. Yes, um, absolutely insane, just unbelievable play. And then and um, all ball, just hand, oh, all yeah, hands. I don't, yeah, I don't. Think it was I've no ever, LeBron chase down, but it was right up there, you know. Yeah, it was just, it was absolutely incredible. Um, yeah, and then Tyler Hero becoming, you know, just elevating, redeeming white men in America in 2020. <laughs> honestly, 
It's just like, yeah. Well, I'll also add in the next day when Jimmy Butler saw him, showed up at practice wearing a Tyler Hero jersey, <laughs> it was gold. And just went to show how great of a team they are, how they're friends. You know, you, you scroll up and you see, you know, Jimmy strutting into practice with the Hero jersey on. And it was amazing. Yeah, Tyler Hero, The one of the things, I, I can't remember what game it was in in the finals, but where he he gives LeBron the snarl. I was like, all right, man, I see the rookie coming at, coming at LeBron. <laughs> right. I respect it. Like, I, I think he got, yeah, I think he got exposed gotcha. a little bit in the, in the finals. But yeah, Tyler Hero, uh, you know, white kids everywhere, all of a sudden dropping back on the driveway to hit some I mean, he's he's a bad dude. I, I, I'm digging him. Um, yeah. So, uh, Brandon, any any final NBA takes outside of uh, LeBron Jordan? Oh man, um, just well done. It's crazy that it's going to start again, like right before Christmas, yeah. December twenty first, twenty second. I was like, hey, that's rough for you know the guys who went deep. But you know, I also get it. You know, half the league was chilling at home since March. So, I mean, you might as well and. Uh, I heard the difference is like $3 billion between before Christmas and after Christmas. And I was like, eh, all right. <laughs> you know, so I just hope they're able to keep everybody safe, but I'm excited for it. Yeah, and possibly a little loss of a, the one thing that makes the NBA, one of the things that makes the NBA unique, the uh, collective bargaining agreement would have been, I think, exactly. that's thing too. Um, yeah, agreed. It's it's my favorite league. I'm, I'm ha- I'll be happy to watch it on, on Christmas uh, when I'm not, uh, you know, after after my uh, midnight showing of, of Top Gun, uh, come home, sleep for a little bit, and have some, have some turkey, some leftover turkey and box macaroni and cheese, and, and put on some NBA. Well, we gotta we gotta bounce out because Brian's gotta go buy a Lamelo Ball Timberwolves jersey. <laughs> oh, oh, the hot! This is oh the, man. Oh, oh, Due to be the number one pick a week from today. Ugh. Tough. Mm. tough. Yeah, have fun with that. I don't know. I wonder if he's actually going to be as good as the footage shows. You know, are you just going to be an Instagram star, or can you really play? I think he's playing against middle schoolers in, in Australia. So Jimmy Butler has already told us the truth about that team, so why not add LeVar Ball to the mix? Yes. I mean, it Perfect. can only help the kids. I mean... Ugh. All right, y'all. This has been awesome. Brandon, you were, a lot of, uh, you were great. Thank you. You guys, it's been fun. Thanks for having me. Of course, yeah. Cool. Um, I'll talk to you later. Well... If Brian, if Brian can even come back because his Jordan takes have been revealed in this apocalyptic age and the internet needs to cancel him. All right. He's back in 98. That's why he's, there's lag. The internet was slower back then. <laughs> Much like the game of basketball. Oh! oh all takes finally revealed. There it is. Oh! Later, right, guys. Later. <laughs>